0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Strife's Sanctum. I'm shifting my chair a little bit. My name is Citizen Strife, and this week I'm diving back into Shin Megami Tensei territory with Soul Hackers 2. So, everybody knows I like Shin Megami Tensei in Persona games a little too much, as one can imagine given by the fact that I'm basically taking my channel over in a couple weeks with Persona 3's remake. But um, Soul Hackers 2 came out a couple of years ago and was aiming to be the third arm of the, you know, the SMT, Persona, whatnot, because it is a continuation of the Soul Hackers mythology. It unfortunately didn't work out that way. And I find it a disservice because there are things about Soul Hackers too that really, really work. But there's also a lot of problems that held it back when it came out. It could have been fixed. Could have been whatever. I think, given the fact that Persona, Persona Five was such a revelation in terms of marketing, salesmanship, skill. I mean, obviously those games were top sellers. SMT Five sold like a million. Soul Hackers 2 didn't have it, and which, again, sucks for one specific reason that I want to mention. But as usual, I want to go over everything about it as best I can. But for those unaware, think of Soul Hackers 2 as a bit of a halfway point, tone and gameplay wise, from SMT and its bleak, dystopian futures, and, you know, there's some cutscenes and character development and whatnot and the other side being persona's focus on characters and story while still having good combat let's face it persona is known for the dating sim elements and the and the life sim stuff soul hackers 2 ended up bridging the gap a little bit and i found it an interesting through point point. and then anybody asks say on reddit or on mm-hmm. other websites should i try soul hackers 2 the question really becomes what side are you on it's a perfect balance point because it doesn't focus on either it's a stripped down affair i would put it in the same vein as say persona five strikers where yeah there's a story but they don't let you do a lot they don't really screw around and have you do a lot of things and the things that you are doing aren't all that interesting so there's not you know side quest there is like one extra dungeon that is an extended labyrinth dungeon and whatnot but other than that you're not asked to do anything else so really the game is designed as a quick you know go to a dungeon fight the stuff learn the stuff and go back and repeat it's very old school in that mentality there's not a lot of messing around there's not a lot of you know free-flowing open world stuff that you'd see in say smt 5 and really soul hackers 2 has to live and die on what soria does have and what characters and what they provide you in the game and again for me i felt that was fine i don't know i think their strategy of releasing this is a full price title alongside that you know because let's face it sp- $50, 60 $70 dollars is the going rate, and I don't think this game was up to that standard. It's not going to provide you that. What it is going to provide you with is still 30 to 40 hours of good, decent material, but there's only so much that you can do with it that I think people were left out in the cold and just decided, nah, if you can get it at like $20, $25, $30, dollars, you're in for a good time. especially with the PS5 patches or even the PS4 patches that exist to enhance the gameplay and, you know, get rid of some of the blurries that happened day one that really scared a lot of people off and made people annoyed. So this game suffered a lot for the sins of the other games succeeding. That doesn't excuse it, but it also says there's so much stuff here that could be really good, that it's going to be a shame that people are not going to remember it. And specifically, it's going to be one character that I hope people don't forget, because it's it's emblematic of what SMT and Persona games could be, but they're not. And that's the case of Ringo. So, before I get to Ringo, and gush about her, a city that is kind of like... halfway modernized but also halfway futuristic it's i don't know if it's ever named i think it's just a dystopian city you know or cyberpunk city so soul hackers one you know you had your basic setup and you had you know people hacking into a a virtual world and stuff you have you don't have that here you mostly have you know hunters and people in a in a city that you know, physical and moving and whatnot, and you have your usual underground bullshit, and you have demons and whatnot running around, you can summon demons with a summoning app. But unbeknownst to those people, there is an AI or a presence known as Ion that is tasking someone, in this case Ringo and Fig. So two people, these, I guess, artificial beings... To create physical versions of themselves and go down to the city and investigate this prophecy that's being foretold. Apparently it's going to cause destruction and this Ion thing, whether it's a malevolent being or, you know, benevolent or whatever, it's mostly just an arbiter, just says, no, we don't want the world dying, so we'll send Ringo and Fig to investigate. And really, Ringo and Fig are what hold this game together specifically Ringo but Ringo and Fig take on these like crazy interesting looks they have like neon jackets and ephemera cyberpunk laser clothes and you know along you know accoutrements alongside normal you know grayish you know jackets and things like that so they're blending in sort of but they're also like they're living, breathing, like data beings, this would be the best way I would describe it. They're not computerized beings. They're not digitized beings. They live and breathe at this point. But they have been tasked to blend in and figure out what's going on. And I do think they do a decent job of trying to make that these characters are basically from a data world or a virtual kind of world. But they're trying to dig deep and figure out where this prophecy is coming from in this underworld society. And it does come down to their way of handling the situation. So Ringo is voiced by Megan Harvey, who was Sophia in Persona 5 Strikers. Fig is voiced by Erica Mendez, who was Raftalia in Shield Hero, and Megamine from Konosuba. Fig is very unassuming. Very straightforward, straight laced, but Ringo. Oh my fucking Christ. Ringo is amazing. And if anything else about Soul Hackers 2 is there, it's that Ringo is proof that SMT can do actual characters with actual depth. Because who knew? People who make Persona know how to write characters, and we don't need fucking silent protagonists. So you could see where I'm going with this. Ringo has a personality, and she can be any personality you want, and she can kind of change and mold herself, that's kind of the cool thing about these AI beings, or virtual beings, is you are able in the game to make multiple choices, and a lot of that boils down to affection points and whatnot, you don't really change a lot of the story in some cases, and still like the ending, but They've written Ringo multiple responses, and of course, you know Megan, as the voice actress, provides different or different mindsets, different answers, different avenues that the character can go down. You know, plot trees, dialogue trees. What a novel concept! They exist, and you don't need to go. Uh, nah, you know, you don't have a person staring at you like uh, Dragon Quest Eleven, where they just kind of hmm. Er. <clears> hmm. <throat> you, you, you see what I'm getting at here. I like I like Joker. I wish he had dialogue because back then in the olden times there was a game called Final Fantasy 7 where you had dialogue trees and affection meters and all that junk, and you could pick what st- what stuff you did for your characters, but the character himself was still written. So. <coughs> Yes, I understand it. The cloud wouldn't talk that way. You're just doing this for affection points. Who gives a shit? It's a character. You can still put your own spin on a character who's established. That is my point. And Ringo comes across either very understandable and agreeable and wants to do everything goody-goody style. She can come off kind of dismissive and, yeah, hey, you're kind of a piece of shit. You know? So I'm just going to kill you now. She can come off as moody. It's like, I'm going to really get you because you're being a dick. You have different motives that you can put Ringo down. And the dialogue and the character and the voice actor, they're doing acting. It's amazing, isn't it? Because as I've said before, one of my big bugbears, the more I do games like this, especially Japanese games, Western RPGs, you can do one of either. But having a character actually emote and change with the dialogue gives you agency as a player but also doesn't doesn't shit all over the rest of the game because the game is expecting you to insert yourself into the character i hate self-insert silent protagonists. i don't do it i don't want to do it I don't think it works and it's it's going to feel unwieldy the longer we try to have cinematics in video games. The 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 thing that SMT fails to do, which I think the anime's end up doing, is they kind of give those characters actual dialogue. Junro Okami had actual dialogue in freaking Persona 4 animation and Persona 4 Dancing. He felt like the best guy to do best characters and shit. It wasn't a lot of dialogue, But he actually felt like a person rather than some stick that you're moving around. Ringo is that same person. Ringo has this way with any sort of dialogue where you can just move and shake and it feels natural. Because she's naturally dismissive. But she's also understanding that if she needs to do it for the greater good, she could be a nice person. If she does it for the bat, the worst part of it, she could be very angsty. You know, she's able to show ranges of emotions. And going back to her and looking at her rather than have her go, hmm, hmm, Mm mm-hmm, yeah, she doesn't do that. She talks to you she actually has things that she says you actually believe that something is happening to her rather than things around her are trying to do that because again in Dragon Quest 11 they keep going back to this this luminary and they're saying you were cursed as a child and whatever and they say this is a problem and you were you know you're actually this amazing person and all you're doing there is just hmm and then just to annoy you, in flashback scenes, the the younger version of himself can talk. What did he lose his ability to speak? I don't fucking know. So you can see why silent protagonists have always been a for me. So Ringo avoids that. And you know what SMT and Persona games should and could do that I don't think they're ever going to do. Not use silent protagonists ever ever again. Because guess what? They took the social link mentality of, hey, there's a living, breathing character right next to me. Except they turned her into the main character. Because they're good at it. They've had experience writing characters. But setting that aside, what does Ringo do? Well, she puts together a merry band of, of misfit toys, basically. Her role, along with Fig, is to create a bunch of people and you know, fight this Yatagarasu and Phantom Society bullshit. So whomever's is creating this prophecy of this situation, she has to find like-minded people and battle that system. And it's not an okay system. It's it's really the other characters are what are holding the game together. You you delve into it a, a bit because a lot of the characters are either fighting demons or unnatural things. And you get the normal SMT, hey, a person who could be a demon or an angel or whatever is really at, at fault for this sort of thing. You've been in this story. You know if you've played any SMT game, you kind of know what the story's going to be. So they're not going to try and shock you in most cases. I do find the way they went about the final boss, which I'm going to go spoil, was kind of interesting, but a little rushed. But other than that, that's an that's aside. But aside from Ringo, and aside from me spending five or ten minutes telling us that Ringo is awesome and every other character sense has been a waste, what is this, what other characters does this, this game have? Well, it has Arrow, voiced by Zach Aguilar. And uh, Zach was, I think... Was it his name? Ota from. Uh, yeah, I think it was Ota from *I of the Somnium Files. This really dorky kid who's an otaku, has a thing for Iris, that That kid. So. Arrow is, you know, in his like late teens, early 20s, and he's part of Yatagarasu or the Phantom Society or whatever. He ends up getting kind of shanked or shot or whatever. And. The main mechanic of gaining the party members that you do have is Ringo goes into their mind as they're about to die and performs what is known as a soul hack. So he she shares some of her life force energy, what have you, with Arrow so that he survives it. And from that point on, Arrow is kind of kind of that like I, I don't I don't want to say moody like he's not moody he's just. He's the nicer guy, but he's also, like, kind of eh, morose is the best way I would put it. Because the the other three main characters that are playable fit different vibes. And Arrow is certainly the protagonist who would have been the protagonist if Ringo wasn't the protagonist. That's the best way I would put it. But he's not, like, a dick. The person who is a dick is Melody, voiced by um, Erica Lindbeck. And Linbeck was Futaba in Persona 5 and Magi Lu and Shion on Tails. So she approaches this role. Melody is tracing down either somebody she does know or... I think it's some dude who's like fancies himself as kind of a rapper dude. He's, she's kind of on the outs with this person known as Iron Mask. So she is being hunted down and she runs afoul... And Melody is just pissed. She's just very angsty. And she gets soul hacked as well. And she vows to get revenge on the Phantom Society and Iron Mask. So she joins up with the Merry Band. And Melody is kind of a fire user, just pissed off lady in general. And, you know, fits fits this theme. Ringo is well rounded. You know, but understanding of everybody's thing. Arrow is kind of like, eh, you know, life is kind of what it is. It's not shit. It's just, it exists. Melody is just like, yeah, what the fuck am I doing here? This is dumb. You know, that kind of like dismissive prick kind of lady. Um, the life of the party, though, other than other than Ringo, is Saizo, voiced by Griffin Poatu, who was uh, Dohalim in Tales of a Ride. And Saizo is kind of a freelancer, kind of, you know, kind of a go-getter in a way. But, like, sort of a slacker, sort of not, you know. But compared to Arrow and Melody, he's just, he just, you know, kind of understands life, Eh, you know, life is what it is. We'll just deal with it. And he gets serious when he deals with, I believe her name was Ash, a a girlfriend or fiance or some such, And I believe that was her name. And they run afoul of each other because they're on kind of opposite sides of that, you know, summoning war sort of thing. And he has to spend his time convincing his lady friend that they're not fighting and they should go back together and whatnot. And it's kind of a will they won't they sort of scenario. So each each other individual in this party has, you know, side things that add to the narrative. So they belong together. And the cool thing about this is... These are the characters you get. Fig kind of takes over as support character and doesn't really fight for you. So it's Ringo, Arrow, Melody, and Sizo that do all the things, and that's your lot. It kind of reminds me of Dragon Quest VIII where you only have like four characters and that was it. You know that, that that's your lot. If you wanted other stuff, no, it's it's very stripped down. But they give the characters a lot of fun, cool banter. Because every time in between a mission, you can kind of go back to a to a hideout and you know have meals that everybody does or doesn't like and buff their stats and whatnot. You can in between things, you can talk to them about their stories. So their dating sim mechanics in this game revolve around going to a bar and just sharing a drink. Kind of like Yakuza, if a little less impressive, because there's like voice acting and shit like that. It's, they're at the bar and they chat it up and they have affection points and whatnot. You go into that dungeon I mentioned, the Soul Matrix, and you take. Time to learn about the backstories of the characters, the more you want to do it, if you want to do it. Or you can stick with the main story. You need a little bit of that stuff, but you don't need a whole lot. I never found myself digging into the Soul Matrix a ton. I forget if it's tied to the ending or not. I don't believe it is. I think it's a a good ending, true ending sort of situation where things do change if you dig there deeper, but the game doesn't force you to do it other than what's necessary. So they give you a little bit to go in there, but you don't have to, which I do appreciate. But we've got the character set up. So what is their story? Well, they keep messing around in different in different areas, and they have to find what are known as uh, covenants because this iron mask person is part of the Phantom Society and is trying to unlock covenants and gain powers over his demons that he's summoning, because demons are demons, they don't really give a shit, and they could go run amok for all they care. So, true SMT fashion, you have demons at your disposal, and Ringo and others have whatnot, and Ringo provides the role that Joker would have, or Narukami would have, and then they would hold all the demons that they want, and they switch out. I don't think Melody and Saizo and all the others do, but They also have elements and guns and stuff like that in the battle. So if you've played SMT or Persona, you know what you're in for. What differentiates the Soul Hacker game, and I don't believe this was the case in the first one. The first game was more straightforward. But after every turn, if you hit a weakness, you buff up a special maneuver known as a a Sabbath. So whatever demons... Ringo has in her arsenal as long as you buff it you can do an extra percentile damage you know just a, just a smidge more damage but it will raise it even higher so if you get all four of them to do weakness damage your sabbath will end up doing way more damage you can change it to have different effects you know status effects other sort of cool instances here and there or just higher damage output so you can gear your sabbath to be your finishing move in some cases it is turn-based combat as per usual the extra damage potential gets you through fights quicker and what really sets soul hackers two apart is the way it handles demon negotiation gone is the effect of having to negotiate in battle and risking death like you would in smt and even persona 5 instead they go for a route known as demon recon so what demons you do have kind of dot the map here and there and they provide an in they provide here's an item for you here's a demon that you can negotiate with so at different spots in the map, your demons will actually activate certain things so that you can heal up or you can do other things that would have been done in battle. They've taken the need to do that out of the way. It's a little bit of a more streamlined experience. A lot of people didn't like it. I actually preferred it. And the reason I preferred it was because it was different because persona has the masks and the cards and, and the guns and the tarot's and the whatnot, and you're getting the cards and you're building up your deck and you're getting the characters, or you're doing the demon negotiation and they're part of your party. At least with Demon Recon, not only did it streamline the experience a little bit, but you got to see the you got to see the demons kind of walking around or just stand around in the minimap, which was a, which was a bit of a cool idea because you only really see them either in battle in persona or you see them out and about in smt which is not you know not a lot at least with this you know that the demons that you equip are part of the world and exist as part of the world in in some small form but it also gives a different way of doing things so you're not tied to the same systems that the other games were doing it's a different take on similar systems that's what they were going for so demon recon provides a quality of life adjustment a quicker way of doing all of the things that you're doing because it kind of boils down to give me the thing and i'll join your party or don't give me the thing and whatever if you like the demon negotiation you still have that in other games and it's it's cool but it also does take a little bit of time to recruit people in this they they, they strip it down to its bare essentials and that is both a blessing and a curse because when it comes down to bare essentials that's all this game really is the dungeons really lack potential and not even in the oh my god it's just one big fucking dungeon and it's boring sort of way that's what that's what doomed persona 3 and even persona 4 like the dungeons look different but they're really not all that different in Persona 5 they actually had different dungeons and stuff which is which is amazing. They had palaces that felt like real places and you do different puzzles and challenges and get through it. Soul Hackers goes for the traditional dungeon route. They're not procedurally generated as far as I can remember, but they're very bare bones. You got a warehouse, you've got a tower, you've got subways and lots and lots of subways. You got a tower that's submerged underwater. You got more subway systems. You sick of this fucking subway deal with it because you're in another subway system. Like a majority of the game is set in like two or three different versions of the same subway system. Or a lot of the area is blocked off, you know, a lot of the towers are blocked off like a junk of like a bunch of boxes and chairs and stuff getting in the way of the doors. So The environments and the aura of the areas involved—you can tell that they didn't have either didn't have a lot of budget for it, or spent a lot of it on the characters' looks, as opposed to the dungeons themselves. The music also leaves a little bit to be desired because I'm usually more enthusiastic about music, and it's not you know Soji Megaro or any of the people who did the SMT games. I think it was a different couple people but nothing they made were anything i just flat out remembered like not the battles not the not the you know level up music not the dungeons normally i'm able to remember something and nothing really screamed out at me so soul hackers 2 put so much effort into creating this world but it doesn't feel very lived in it doesn't feel very special the the world that you are in is a bunch of you know a bunch of mini maps and a bunch of areas that are just there for shopping or there for doing stuff like upgrading weapons and stuff and that's cool because you can upgrade weapons and upgrade uh elemental affinities. So Ringo can be almost anything. Uh Melody focuses on fire, Sizo, I think it was either electricity or whatever. Everybody has an affinity. You have a grade. You have a grade to what a certain skill is so if you're a healer you using you know dia media media raharan and all that stuff rahan and all that junk and i chose healer for ringo because it made the most sense because she's the main lead to balance the party out but you can kind of mess around with whatever stats and things you want to and upgrade what you want but again outside of that there's not a lot of versatility and those dungeons do just kind of exist as it's another subway it's another part of the subway let's get done with that you know there's at most five to six dungeons and they're not all that interesting and it's a disservice to the rest of the game that it feels very basic and that's really the big kicker to this game is just the lack of originality and the, the lack of intrigue when it comes to dungeons because even the soul matrix is just a bunch of hey make sure you have your characters leveled up the way you want so that you can go through their soul matrix first but the soul matrix looks like any other you know hackers you know grid based neon lighting grid based dungeon thing. it doesn't really spark interest to me so that's really about it it really just kind of exists as here's another dungeon go through dungeon get more story there's no like grinding necessary so i will give the game that credit if you're on normal or easy you don't really need to grind more than the character's levels so whatever the highest level enemy is at the end of the dungeon is about where you need to be and if you as long as you're there and you have a good strategy you can usually beat any boss i don't know if i died more than once at near the end but it does kind of suck that soul hackers 2 was as meh, bare bones as it was because The Demon Recon could have been fleshed out a little bit more to give a little bit more versatility. I still enjoyed the attempt to try something a little different, even if it was very basic, you know, trying to give Soul Hackers 2 its own identity rather than just being another SMT game with the same systems, the same Demon negotiation. And then Ringo deserves better. You know, I like the other characters, but Ringo as a main character showed you what these games could do When they have a character written, but also is your main character and gives you agency in the dialogue choices, agency in which characters you prefer, agency in what style of persona you want, not persona as in the mechanic, persona as in their persona that they project upon others. You can change Ringo to be whatever she wants to be, and the dialogue will fit either narrative because she's a bit of a blank slate. But she never feels out of place. You know, she has a bit of snark and a bit of bite. So she can be a good person or a bit of a bitch, and it doesn't feel out of place. Either direction you go. And it's a real disservice to the other games. That they're not locked into. That type of character. Or I think that somebody like Ringo. Is not going to be given more. Like I I don't think a Soul Hackers 3 is going to get developed. I, and it sucks. Because this is one of the best characters they've ever made. So if you do play Soul Hackers 2. Realize that what you're getting is. I mean what you see is what you get. But there's stuff there trying to peek out that holds it together and Ringo deserves better I know I keep saying that but that is what this game holds you to it holds you to another SMT or persona experience if you like that kind of battle system yeah you know what you're getting you're not going to change you're not going to change the wheel all that you know you're not going to reinvent it But it's a revelation in the sense that the character did so much to answer a lot of my problems with the SMT and Persona franchise that were mainly issues that I tend to have. But, you know, other people have said recently that, you know, silent protagonists may or may not work and whatnot. And I've spent my time saying that. So so again, you have to experience that sort of character for yourself. Don't take my word for it. If you can find Soul Hackers 2 for 20 bucks or 30 bucks, you're in for a decent, good RPG. A dungeony, crawling, a grindy, you know, not grindy, but very basic kind of experience. The, not stripped and dumbed down completely like a Mystic Quest was, but a sort of half way in between a persona and an smt experience hard enough that you will have some issues but i don't think it will really kill you to play either so if you're looking for another smt experience and you don't want to really wait around until you know persona comes out again with the remake or the ReFantasio thing comes out you know in like may or june soul hackers 2 is a good 40 hour rpg that got overlooked it's not going to win any awards, but it's still got some good things in it. But that'll do it for me today. Let's see what's going on in upcoming weeks. So I have, um, I have Snow White and the Red Hair, which honestly I should have recorded now that I think about it. I'll have to record it next week and just set it. <laughs> so yes, I, I wanted to do Soul Hackers this week. But I didn't record it this week, so I didn't record su- whatever. My schedule is what it is. I'll just put Snow White, Red Hair of the week and it shows up. Anyway, so you'll hear this after I've recorded you know the episode before. Whatever the fuck. Anyway, um, eighty six, Sonic the Hedgehog two, Radiant Historia, Arte, Wandering Witch Elena. I keep wanting to call her Elena, but it's Elena. And Mike Tyson's Punch Out. So I've got plenty of stuff going on for the future. And I'll see you guys next time. Citizen Strive, signing off.